There's a problem uh, in our country right now. It's a massive issue. It's not a new problem. It's a problem that's been going on for a very long time. It's a problem that uh, particularly plagues uh, the men of this country, but I do not believe it's limited to men. I, I think this is a problem that many of us have. And truth be told, just to be fully transparent, this is a problem that I have had uh, ever since I was young enough to remember. It's a serious issue. It's something that I think is, is something we should address and we should talk about. And the problem is the the unnecessary need to carry all the groceries into the house on one trip. We, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Nobody's putting a gun to your head. Nobody has ever made you. Nobody has ever told you it has to be done that way. But raise your hand if you're in this place. One trip, man. That's all. I, one trip, right? There's a lot of the men, but hey, ladies too. One trip. And I get it. Listen, I, since I was a kid, I will stack every bag, you know, the bridge where you put every bag across your arms and you cut off all the circulation. And, and then even when you get there, you can't loosen it up because it twisted all around your arm and you're like, cut cut it like like you do what you got to do and in the summer oh in the summer it gets even more complicated because now you got watermelons to deal with so I throw a watermelon on my shoulder I'm balancing it like you know, you know I'm just I'm rocking it I got everything I got my Costco box my Aldi box we don't do bags I'll pay for bags just give me your old boxes so I got the boxes I got the bags I got the watermelon I'm juggling I'm opening every door with my butt, you know what I'm saying? Like you just, you walk into everything, you got to maneuver, you got to twist and turn, and it's all about the angles, and it drives my mother and wife crazy. As a matter of fact, I was talking to Pastor Carlos about this earlier, and he said, just ask my wife. Apparently, Miss Yvonne really has a hard time, because Pastor Carlos has had a bad back for like 30 years, and part of why it hasn't gotten better is this need he has to carry all the groceries into the house at one time. And I think it's funny because there's no reason for it, right? It's just, it's just like, I got to. Like, I gave it, it's, it's the same need I think you have when uh, GPS tells you it's going to take you an hour and five minutes. You're like, all right, bet. 45 minutes tops. Like, there's this incessant need, this desire to, to try to just, hey, man, I got to carry all the groceries in at once. And I'll be honest with you, like, the, the rare occasions where I'm not able to pull it off, I feel semi-defeated. Like, like a little bit of my manhood drifted away. Like I don't want to look anyone in the eye after I finish. I'm just like, don't even talk to me right now. I need 10 minutes to process this. Um, I think it's funny. I think it's true for a lot of us. But if we can be honest with ourselves, I think many of us do the same thing when it comes to the burdens of life. Like We try to carry all of it. Right? Like, no, I got to do it. I got to handle this. This is, this is my responsibility. This is my job. I have to carry out. We feel this obligation to carry more than maybe we're supposed to. And we often even refuse help when everything is falling apart. Right? Like, there are times when you're carrying those bags, or especially me when I'm carrying diaper boxes. I don't know who invented the handles on diaper boxes, but they always rip on me. That, that cardboard is flimsy. And so even when, I, when people offer help, even my wife says, hey, do you want me to come outside and help you? My usual response is, no, I got it. And I think part of that is why we struggle emotionally, physically, psychologically, and even spiritually because even when help is offered, there's this idea or this thought, no, I got it. When obviously you do not got it. 
it is not going well. It is burying you. It is too much for you. It is overwhelming you. Uh, it reminds me one time, my wife, uh, I was asking if she needed help with something with our girls. And she's like, no, I got it. And then immediately one of my daughters starts throwing something on the ground. She's like, I don't got it. I don't got it. And then I had to rush in and try to help her. I was like, okay. Uh, I think if we could get to the point where we understand maybe I don't got it. And maybe that's okay. Maybe I could start to open up and really begin to figure out that the situations in my life, yes, they're challenging, but possibly I'm making them more challenging than they need to be. And so if you have your Bibles, I really want to hone in on two particular verses in the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 through 7. Listen to what the word of the Lord says. It says, humble yourselves. Therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Let me read that again. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I mentioned the, the camp that I was at and there was a particular night for each week of camp on our, on our Tuesday night that was uh, especially emotional and vulnerable. It was in that service where uh, the title of it was, You Can't Heal What You Don't Reveal. And I was trying to help uh, the people in the room, not just the students, but everybody, to open up about things that aren't really doing well uh, and areas in our life where wounds are still open and transparent. And I did this exercise at the end where I kind of had them really openly and in front of everyone admit what was going on. It was such a vulnerable moment and there was such a battle that you can see and simply having them stand up because that's all I had them do. I would read off a statement. I'd say, hey, stand up if that's you. And I'd have all the lights on and everyone can see. And that, that moment of, of saying, hey, I'm, I need this. I need to admit that something's going on. And it was so powerful that even like me and the worship team, we had two services every night. Uh, so I preached 17 times in 11 days. And uh, though after the first night or first service, we had no more hydration for tears. Like it was just all out there because it was just so impactful to see people open up. But it requires something very specific to be able to admit that things aren't going well or that you're struggling, that your anxiety is getting the best of you. And that thing is what Peter talks about in the very first sentence, humility. See, the problem is pride. It's the problem with carrying the bags and it's a problem with being overwhelmed with burdens. It's a pride issue. And that's why the first thing that Peter says is to humble yourselves. Right? This, this self-humbling. Humble yourselves. Pride is what motivates us to take responsibility for something God never meant for us to handle. Or attempting to handle a situation in a way that is different from what his desires are. It's pride that says, no, I got this. No, I can do this. No, it's fine. No, I'm okay. It's the pride of life that says, I will make it happen. And we do that even to God. Because we don't go to him in prayer. We don't go to one another and confess what's going on. We don't allow the Holy Spirit to really minister to us until everything falls apart, until we have no other options and no other choice. Then and only then, maybe might we say, I need help. In James chapter 4, verse 6 through 7, he very clearly reminds us that God gives grace generously. It says, and he gives grace generously as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. 
See, when we humble ourselves, we are free to receive God's grace or his unmerited favor to get through whatever it is that we need to get through. But it takes humility to do that. And again, I just mentioned my kids, but uh, my oldest daughter is getting to this point where, you know, she's very much, I do it. No, I do it. I do it. And she'll get frustrated and she'll be angry and she'll be kicking and screaming. And I'll say, do you want me to help you? No, I do it. So I don't help her. Do you want me to help you? No, I do it. Then struggle. And I have to do that because if I don't get her to understand and admit that she needs help, she'll never get that. And so I have to wait. Are you done now? Do you need help? Yes, help me. Then I go and help her. And I think God does the same thing with you and I. The more you hold on to your burden, the more God's hands come off. Because if God's hands go on while your hands are on, guess who gets credit when it all gets resolved? Even though it was God that did it, you in your mind think, aha, see, I took care of it. I handled it. When really it was God's hands behind you. It was his mighty hand that lifts it up. And so what God often does is the more you want to hold on, the more you want to figure it out, the more you want to deal with it isolated and on your own, the more God lets you. Okay, then you do it then. You want to do it so bad? You want to figure it out so bad? You think you know everything? Go ahead, handle it. And then when you fall on your face and it hurts, okay, do you need help? And some of us double down. No, I got it. Okay, fall again on your face. And listen, I know, you know, parenting is a little bit different now and I'm trying to be a little old school, but I think this part I am. Uh, I got no problem letting my kids fall down. I did early on and now I don't care. If she falls and hurts herself, usually I'm like, yep, told you. Now you learn for the next time. That hurt, didn't it? I told you not to do that. Do you get it now? Yeah, okay. And I think God in his love, not in anger, not in joy of watching you fail, but in his love understands if I don't get you to let go, then you'll hold on forever. When we humble ourselves, we're free to receive that grace. Grace is the room to mess up with God picking you up. But pride keeps our hand on the situation. And then when our hand is on the situation, not only does God just let you do it, but that verse when it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, that term oppose, it's a military term. It means to wage war against. So God says, hey, listen, if you're humble, man, I'm going to give you all the room to figure this out. I'm going to help you. I'm going to aid you. I'm going to guide you. This is going to be great if you just humble yourself before me. But if you're prideful, I will fight you. If you're prideful, now you're my enemy. Now we're coming against each other. And again, I can only speak to my own experience. Uh, I think I'm a little bit more patient than my wife. If you're watching, you know it's true. Um, <laughs> she will go to battle with these girls. And she will, she will not relent. She never does, never has. She, doesn't, she will not relent. She's like, no, I don't care. And she will like get in their face. I'm like, hey, she's two. She's like, she knows. I'm like, well, the other one doesn't. She's one. Oh, she knows even more. <laughs> But I love that about her because who's in charge? Her or my daughters, right? Who knows all, us or God? And at times, God has to battle you. God has to fight you. My favorite in the book of Job, if you read like the last three or four chapters, Job, for most of his situation, all the struggles, all the pain, all the hurt, everything he went through, he never blamed God. But right around the end, he does kind of start to question if God knows what he's doing. And I love what the Lord says. He says, stand there like a man, because I have some questions for you. And then for about three chapters, he makes him feel like a complete idiot. 
He said, oh, I'm sorry, Job. I'm sorry. Were you the one that told the water you can go this far and no further? I'm sorry. Was that you? Whoa, wait. Were you the one that, that, that put the stars in the sky? Were you the one that, that named Leviathan? Were you the one that did? No, I'm sorry. Was that you or was that me? And I think we can get like that with God. And our pride, no, I can do it. Oh, I'm sorry. You make your own heartbeat, right? That's you. You're the one that controls your blinking. You're, you're the one that, that handles your circulatory system. That's all you, right? Like that's not completely on my hand at all. And so God oftentimes, I believe, allows us to fall and even fall hard because that might be the only way that we let go. Listen, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This is Paul speaking about uh, one of his missionary journeys. And I love what he says. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. I love what he's saying. Hey, I don't want you to, to, to misunderstand. Leaders have issues too. We have struggles too. I don't want you to think that everything's been great and everything's been wonderful. Man, there were some serious issues when we were ministering in the province of Asia. Listen, we were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we might despair of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. He's like, listen, we thought it was over for us. We thought this was our mission was to die here. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Listen, if you don't die to self, you'll never experience the resurrection power of God. You have to die to self if you want to be resurrected, if you want to be empowered, if you want to be used. Paul is saying, listen, we had to go through what we go through because there was no other option at that point. We couldn't rely on ourselves. We had no opportunity outside of God. He has delivered us from such deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him, we have set our hope that we will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. I love that Paul acknowledges I need help. I need God's help and I need your help. I need God to make a way and to strengthen me and to empower me and I need your prayers to supplement that. I love that Paul acknowledges that he's been in seasons where he wasn't sure if he would survive. Situations that would only work out if God worked it out. And that's God's faithfulness in the past and it's that past faithfulness that grows Paul's faith for the present and the future. I know what God's done, so I know what God can do. And those two areas, present and future, are really where anxiety and stress live. We worry about what's going on currently in our life, and we worry about the things that are yet to come. Anxiety and all those issues that come around it are built around our fear about what's currently happening and what's going to happen. But if we only remembered what already happened and how God already intervened and how God is willing to do so again, maybe we wouldn't freak out so much. Which is why I think sometimes God makes you wait. Right? He says, listen, humble yourselves. That's the first step. And then he talks about in due time, God will lift you up. So if the problem is pride, the timetable is God's, not yours. It's God's timetable. This is, again, our big frustration. And I'm sorry that I keep using my kid, but I feel like we're children in this situation. Because my kid wants things when she wants them. Now, and now she's really getting into a yelling match with us. I'm like, no, you can have that after dinner. I want it now. No, you can have it after dinner. Now, I don't know who you're talking to, kid, but either you eat it after dinner or you will never get it. And then she'll just, now. I'm like, wow, you're, you're a stubborn one. 
But who among us isn't from time to time with the Lord? I want it now, God. No. But it doesn't matter what you want. It's my will. Didn't you die to yourself? And don't you live now in accordance to Christ? Is it not my will that you want to serve? Listen, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 through 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary. Young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how well you got things put together. I don't care how intelligent you are, how physically strong you are. None of that matters. Because again, two weeks of camp, I saw even the strongest and nimble and youngest of guys fall asleep in the middle of a service because they were dead tired. We all get tired. Every one of us gets tired. And that's understandable. But notice where your strength comes from is the Lord. And how he gives you that strength is while we wait on him. It's in that due time. And you have to understand, while we wait on the Lord, our waiting is not idle. It's not just sitting there scrolling through your phone, waiting for God to pop up and do what he's going to do. Strengthening happens as we wait on the Lord. Endurance increases as we wait on the Lord. Faith rises as we wait on the Lord. It's the pursuit of his presence that we're waiting on. We're not just waiting idly, but we are seeking his face. We are hiding in his bosom. We are continually trying to draw ourselves closer and closer to the presence of God. It's seeking the Savior and not just his salvation. I want to be close to you. Like we just finished singing, right? I want to yearn for you. I want to be there only for you. Because when I set my face upon Jesus, suddenly things start to get in order in my life. I start to understand what's important and maybe what's not important. There is so much that God does in waiting. There is so much that God can only do in a process of waiting. Because it's in the waiting that he brings you comfort for your weary soul. It's in the waiting that he corrects you for maybe some missteps you had along the way. It's in the waiting that he prepares you for what you're going to encounter on the other side when he does accomplish his will in that situation. God does so much in the waiting and yet we waste so much time waiting idly. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 through 33 says, So don't worry about these things, saying, What will I eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Right? It's a priority kind of thing. So we consume ourselves about how we're going to cover this bill and, and how we're going to make ends meet in this situation and how we're going to help our child figure out this problem and how we're going to deal with this situation with our spouse and how we're going to be able to accomplish all the different responsibilities that we have to accomplish. And yet if we learn to seek the face of God and to pursue the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, things start to get in order. Why? Because when I seek the face of God, he begins to tell me, what I should be carrying and what I shouldn't be carrying. 
When I seek the face of God, he begins to give me direction on how I'm called to carry it. When I seek the face of God, he teaches me and leads me into all righteousness. When I seek his purpose first, suddenly my purposes don't matter. We waste so much energy on things we desire that God doesn't desire for us. But I want it. Doesn't mean he wants it for you. And doesn't God want what's best for you more than even what you would want for yourself? Because we often think we want it. Thank God for all the unanswered prayers we've had in our lives. Think about how many exes you're like, dodged a bullet on that one. All right? Like we have had so many situations where if God would have said yes to every one of your requests, your life would be utterly ruined. No, I seek his face. I want to be the kingdom of God above all else. Because it's when I look for that, when I seek his face in that sense, when I look for what's important to the kingdom, not to my castle, things start to change in my life. That being said, what we are supposed to do, or what are we supposed to do then with our very real anxiety and stress? Because you're naive to think that we don't have it. We all have it. (laughs) Paul had it. Peter had it. We all deal with anxiety. We all deal with stress. We all have the pressures of life. We all have stuff that becomes insurmountable. But what are you doing with it? Because a lot of times we're carrying things that maybe we shouldn't even be carrying. See, a burden is things that are above and beyond what you're supposed to be doing. We all carry stuff in life. We all carry a load in life. But a burden is beyond your load. A burden is beyond your capacity. So let's say I was talking to one of our our truck drivers here at the church. Every truck has a load capacity. Let's say it's 5,000 pounds for argument's sake. That's a lot. That truck can carry 5,000 pounds. That's a good amount of weight. Maybe let's even say five tons. That's even greater. But one pound over that load limit. And the truck's not going to go like it's supposed to. That's when it becomes a burden. That's when it becomes more than what he's supposed to be carrying. So, uh, Gio, you can help me out. I think a lot of times what happens is we feel this debt to people or this responsibility to people to carry more than what we're supposed to carry. Just kind of like how we have with our groceries, right? And so what happens is I got my own stuff, but then, you know, hey, my spouse is going through something. And, uh, and you know, I got I to gotta be there for my spouse. I got I to gotta be a man. I got to take care of my wife. And so, you know, let's say Gio's my spouse, right? He's, he looks like Sicily uh, in, in certain light. <laughs> So, so Gio comes up and he, and he hands me some extra burden. Oh, babe, don't worry. I got this. Like, I'm the man. I got you. Thank you, babe. I got it. No worry. You don't got to worry about nothing, girl. I got you. Right? And so that's great. Like, I got to carry. And then, you know, hey, my daughter's got some stuff. So I want to carry my daughter's issues. And, and because, you know, I, it's my baby girls. Like, I ain't going to let my baby girls go through it. So, hey, here, sweetie, thank you. I ain't going to let you go through nothing. I got this. Thank you. And then, you know, my parents. My parents are getting older. And I got to worry about some of my parents' situations. And my mom and my dad. Don't worry, mommy and Bob. You always took care of me. I'm going to take care of you. I got you. And then, you know, all my friends. I got friends that I love and that I want to take care of. And it's like, hey, don't worry, friends. And, and oh, man, I got people in church that need me. I'm going to carry some of the people in churches' issues and start to get heavy, guys. Um, and then, oh, wait. And then it's like the lost. I got to worry about all the people that God has, my ministry, and then the stuff. Uh, just And I got to carry that. And then I, even though, okay, now, now I'm carrying all these things. That's well above, it's not even mine. These aren't even my groceries. I don't even know what's in here, okay? I'm carrying all these things that I'm not supposed to. And it's adding to me. And and I'm carrying them everywhere I'm at. So we're having a conversation. Hey, what's going on? Yeah, I'm good. How are you doing, Pastor Joy? Doing great. Everything's wonderful. (laughs) 
everything's all right. <laughs> arm hurts a little bit. I'm pretty sure I got tendinitis in my right arm. <laughs> we end up being weighed down by things we were never supposed to carry. And here's the problem. What we do is from time to time, we put them down, but only to pick them back up. So we come to church. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I can, I can worship you again. I can love you. That was awesome. Um, okay, church is over. I got it. All right. Oh, man, I need this vacation. This vacation's on oh, the beach, and I shouldn't be in the sun. My body hasn't seen the sun in 10 years, but thank you, Jesus, for the beach. That's great. Oh, vacation time's over. And we keep carrying our burdens. But what did the scripture say? Look, I'm even dropping people's burdens. But what did the scripture say? Humble yourselves before the Lord. And then he says, cast all your burdens on him. That word cast is different than lay down. Lay down is gentle. Cast is like it's gone. Cast is, that's not mine anymore. That's yours, God. Because when I lay it down, it's still near me. It's still something I feel like I need to be responsible for. Like it's in my space, it's in my world, it's for me. When I cast it on the Lord, when I toss it over to Jesus, I say, Jesus, that's yours now. That's not for me to carry, that's not for me to worry about, that's not for me to be angry about, that's not for me to be frustrated about. That is your issue now, God. Now does that mean we, we don't you know, pay our bills and take care of our wives and love our friends? No, 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 obviously we do that, but only in accordance to whatever God tells me to do. So if God tells me that's not your issue, then that's not my issue. When God says that's not your circus, that's not your monkeys, pay attention. And a lot of times we insert ourselves into situations we were never called to be inserted in. Even for me and the rest of the pastors in here, man, we love you, but we're not God. And so if you constantly want to come to us to solve all your issues, all you're doing is casting your burdens on me. I can't carry your burdens. I got my own stuff to deal with. Yes, I want to help you, but my responsibility is when you give me burdens, I hand them over to the Lord. Here you go, God. <laughs> this is the issue that they're going through. Listen, Psalm 55, verse 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Let me read that again. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. Not Pastor Joey, not Pastor Jason or Pastor Izzy or Pastor Evelyn or Pastor Ismael or Pastor Tom. Not any of the deacons or the leaders, not your mama, your daddy, not your cousins. We are called to help each other, but we are not called to be each other's God. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. To cast means to throw off permanently. Reminds me of Lord of the Rings, right at the end when Frodo gets there with the ring and he casts it. If you, if you see the flashback when they got the man and, and the elf and the elf is screaming at it, cast it into the fire, cast it into the fire. And he says, no, I think I'll keep it. It's that pride, right? God is telling you, cast it on me. I got you. Cast it on me because my yoke is light. My burden is easy. Cast it on me. No, God, I think I'll carry it because it makes me feel valuable, because it validates me, because I like that people need me, because of my own deep insecurities and issues. No, God, I think, I think I'll carry it. 
Worship team, if you can help me out. I wonder how many of us in this room are struggling with burdens that were never given to you. I get it that we might have a burden for somebody, but that's a burden that we take to the Lord. And that's all I'm saying in this message is that if we were to humble ourselves, admit this is a pride issue. This is me being unrelenting and unwilling to yield to the Lord because I, I feel like if I don't got it, then I failed. Well, I have to let you know, you never had it and you were never meant to. This burden was always the Lord's to carry for you and to lead you. And as he leads you, he'll tell you what to pick up and what to put down. He'll guide you into all steps. He'll walk you through it. And I think part of the reason why we don't let people help us, if we're honest with ourselves, is we don't entirely always trust people. We don't trust their intentions. We don't trust their follow through. We don't trust their ability. We got trust issues. And we carry those trust issues into our relationship with the Lord. Because that's what happens, right? The reason you're trying to do it is because deep down inside, you don't think God's going to. At least not how you want it. You don't think God's going to come through. So you got to get your hands in it. And you got to figure it out. Because listen, I don't, God may or God may not. I don't know if he's going to do it. But I got to make sure it gets done. So I'm going to put my hands on it. <laughs> and when you do that, what you're really saying is, God, I just don't think you care enough about this situation. I don't think you care as much as I care. I don't even know if you care about me. So I got to worry about me. I got to look out for me. I got to take care of me. And the problem with that is if you start down that road, that's the road you'll end with. Always talking about you, worrying about you, and it'll end up with only you. Listen, the reason we are able to humble ourselves to wait on the Lord in due time, to cast all of our burdens on him, is laid out in that verse. It's because he cares for you. He cares for you. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but maybe you don't get it. God cares about you. Not in a general way, but in a very specific you as an individual who was knit together in your mother's womb. The one he knows the amount of hairs on your head. He knows the thoughts of your thoughts. He knows you better than you know yourself. And he cares for you. Matthew chapter 6 Verse 25 through 26. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, not about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither soar, sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And listen. Are you not more valuable than they? Are you not more valuable? See, that's the part I, I wish we could understand tonight as I ask you to stand to your feet. You're more valuable to God than anything else on this planet. You're so valuable that he was willing to give his one and only son. You're so valuable that Jesus was willing to hand over his life, to lay it down so that he could carry your burdens. 
You're so valuable that even with the infinite amount of times that we turn our back on God, that we reject God, that we allow our pride to wage war against God, that we fight God and we go back and forth with God, he's still willing to take your burden. He's still willing to love you through the process. He's still willing to say, I got you. And I think back again, just as I've been going through this message, I didn't plan on it, but it just makes sense. As much as my kids drive me crazy, they're my kids. So I love them. You may get frustrated with my kids. You might not want to deal with my kids, but that's because they're not your kids. They're mine. And the love of a father, she can do all these crazy things. She can show up to my house covered in blood with a body in the trunk and I will get the shovel. She's mine. She's mine. I was choking about the last thing. But listen, isn't that what the Lord does? Even your worst sins, he covers in blood. And he says, I got you. I'll bury that. That's not your problem. That's my problem. That's not your issue. That's my issue. Let me deal with it. Let me help you. Let me guide you. And so here's how we're going to close this service. If you're in this room and you're tired, I mean, you're really going through it. I'm going to ask you in a moment to humble yourself and join me at this altar. And as you humble yourself, we're going to wait on the Lord. And we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. And if it's not you, praise God. You're going to worship God, and we're going to worship God, and we're going to sandwich you in the praises of the Lord as you wait on God to minister to your heart. So, sir, ma'am, whoever you are, I'm going to ask you, would you be humble enough to get out of your seat? Meet me up here as we pray on the, to the Lord, as we wait for his voice, as we continue to seek his face.